Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. You know, it's easy today to fall in love at first sight. Now, I'm not talking about with someone. I'm talking about with a house. When you're looking for a new place to live, but letting your emotions enter the equation, that can spell trouble. Buying a house is one of the most important purchases you're ever going to make. And for most of us, it is our largest purchase. It's a big financial decision, so it's worth taking the time to consider a couple of things that are extremely important when buying a home. It's important to make sure that you have your finances in order to afford the house you want to buy. You need to take, do some planning. It's essential before you buy or even if you're thinking about renovating to determine what can you truly afford. Andrew O'Fee from Crump Mortgage is here in the studio with me this morning, and he's going to help us understand best practices when it comes to selecting the mortgage company that meets your needs. What, here's the question. What are you going to be paying on the house for the long haul? That's important, so you do not want to miss this program coming up. In the second half of today's program, if you're 65 or know someone that is 65, then you know that... Every year about this time, there's a fall open enrollment period when you can sign up for a Medicare Advantage plan or switch from one Medicare Advantage plan to another or drop your plan and return to original Medicare Part A and Part B. It's also called the annual election period, and it runs from October the 15th to December the 7th. And for this age group, it can be one of the most confusing and stressful times of the year. My guest is Shannon Dyson from our insurance division at Shoemaker Financial. And by popular demand, he is here to answer questions that seem to be on a lot of people's mind at this time of the year. One question, do I want a Medicare supplement plan or a Medicare Advantage plan. Well, stay with us because we're going to find out in the second half of today's program. From our Did You Know files, speaking of Medicare, the Kaiser Family Foundation has recently reported that Medicare covered almost 60 million people in 2018, 59.9 to be exact. The average Medicare beneficiary spends $455 per month on out-of-pocket health care costs, including premiums paid for Medicare and for supplemental insurance, along with the cost of doctors, hospitals, and prescription drugs. That's $5,460 annually, and this is a per-person cost. We'll be talking about mortgages with Andy coming up in a few minutes, but there is a, this, this idea behind an interesting information that I read from the Joint Center of Housing Studies at Harvard. Here's what they said. In 2016, and Andy will help us with this, 46% of American homeowners ages 65 to 79 had outstanding mortgage debt on their primary residence. That's in 2016. Now, that number is double, almost double from the 24% of the same age bracket that had mortgage debt 30 years ago. 
And that's in 1989. That's a big number. Now, well, when you think about it, with all that, this number that I'm talking about is for his mortgages, the, the more mortgage debt. We have full employment. Wages are going up. Well, guess what? Americans are buying houses again. The Census Bureau recently published that over the decades from September, over the decade of September of the 2006 to September of 2016, the number of homeowners in the United States declined from 75.6 million to 75.4 million. But over the last three years, from September 2016 to September 2019, the number of homeowners in the United States has increased from 75.4 million to 79.5 million, an increase of 4.1 million homeowners. And that is the American dream. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. We would appreciate it. Coming up, Andrew O'Fee, Crump Mortgage. With selecting a mortgage, what is it that you need to know? What are the best practices? And in the second half of the the program, by popular demand and frequent guest of ours, Shannon Dyson, it's all about Medicare. Do I want a Medicare supplement plan, or do I buy Medicare Advantage? I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Security and Financial Services are affiliated with Andrew O'Fee or Crump Mortgage. The views and opinions expressed are those of Andrew O'Fee only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Security and Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Andrew O'Fee is a senior loan officer with Crump Mortgage, Division of Community Mortgage, NMLS number 161130. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for joining us this morning. We do have a special guest in the studio with me, Andy O'Fee from Crump Mortgage. He's a senior loan officer. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. You know, Andy, I want to start off with you because uh, we also have Dane Williams with us. And Dane, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. I was wondering if I was going to be well, here. So. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, I was going someplace with, you know. Locked in. I understand. Locked it's in. live radio, guys. It's live radio. Hey, what can I say? But here's the thought, Andy. I want Because the mortgage... When you think about buying a house, as I said in the money log, for some people, for most of us, that's our biggest purchase. And it is an obligation. I think most people do 30-year mortgages. You may help us out and decide, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong on that. But, you know, it's something that we're obligated to, and we, we, we need to make the payment. So it's a big deal. I want to ask you this when we start, though. You've been doing this now since 2009. What's changed in the last 10 years? So the great thing is, is I started in 2009 after the housing collapse in 07 and 08. Through that time, the number of reforms that went into place in regards to regulating our industry helped the market significantly. So there were no bad loans anymore with the CFPB coming into play. If anything has changed since that period of time, since once I started, is that we're doing good mortgages now. So we're qualifying people that should be buying homes. So does that mean... If I'm talking to the general public, it's tougher to get a loan today? I would say initially it was, but it's like a pendulum. The the government regulates, they pull back, and then they loosen things up. But it is a pretty strenuous process 
I jokingly tell people when they go through it, it's 30 days of hell. Uh, and honestly, it's just a lot of paperwork. So I would say that it can be difficult, but if you follow my lead, we can get the deal done relatively easy. Well, that's, a, that's important the way you said that, follow my lead, because I know a lot of people, you know, it's kind of that mindset of going online, they start this shopping process, their, their interest rate shopping. And so as I think about interest rates being at a three-year low, but but if they're following a professional's lead, tell me what that means from your chair when you talk about So that. what's great is about my company is that Rob Crump is, uh, is uh, my manager. Crump is a local name in Memphis. We are a local company. We're not a big fintech company. So I have been taught through Rob, through his tutelage, that it's very important to develop a customer relationship face-to-face. So I always stress with a client to come and meet me and sit down with me if they have an opportunity to do that, rather than go online and not meet your loan officer. And that relationship really fosters throughout the entire loan process. So I think it's important that 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 happens initially, and that will take them away from going online and speaking to someone and looking for a good deal, because not everything is what it seems to be when you're shopping online. Now, you like said that. that, and I appreciate that. Dane, when you're in your chair, as a used to be where you worked specifically with clients in the advisor side and now with the insurance side and the property and casualty side of the company, you're talking about listening to people go through this, and it can be a very stressful time. They're making a purchase of a home, and you would recommend them to people like to to, to Andy from that standpoint, because going online, as, as Andy said, it's not always what you think, but, but people in their mind think, well, all of a sudden he's going to only get what he can do for himself, you know, and it's, and how do you guide somebody past that mindset of, I can go online and shop and do it for free, and then I then I pay the price for it. But how do you help a person know how not to do that? Yeah, it, it can be tough because people are so driven by what the numbers are, what the percentage rate is here. And just because you can qualify for a loan program for one reason or another doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best fit for, for your family. So we would always encourage our clients to find someone, one that they've got a decent relationship with, that it feels like there's some level of trust. But then beyond that, engage in a conversation with them to try to figure out all of the different options and which one makes sense for their family so that they don't end up locked into a 30-year rate for something that's just not the right fit just for them. Just not the right fit what you're talking about. If you just tuned in, my guest today is Andy O'Fee from Crop Mortgage. He's a senior loan officer. And Dane Williams from our insurance division at Shoemaker Financial. And uh, Andy, I, I guess I guess my concern is so many people today are online, mind their mindset. How do we share with people. And I think, Dane, you did a great job of saying, you know, the, the, there needs to be that counselor mindset. But I, I just wish that people understood that just because we had a three-year interest rate low doesn't mean that you pick the lowest one and that's the best one. How do you how do you guide them through that? that that's, that's my biggest challenge. I'm is sure that, it is. I'm sure it is. I because mean, it's not always the best. No, I mean, people right now, they, they want the lowest rate because... You know, I they, would want the lowest rate, guys. Sure I hate do. to tell you. I mean, that, that if makes I was sense. refinancing a house and one says it's at three and a half and one says it's three and a quarter... I'm going to have to say, what, 25 basis points over 30-year period is a lot of money. Sure it is. That's right. So how do you help me through that? Well, that's, again, that's my biggest challenge is that when you have a rate shopper, uh, it's, it's, it can be tough. Sure. Uh, I want them to get the best deal. And that's what I tell them on the front end. Look, I may not necessarily have the best rate all the time because there's going to be somebody out there that's going to beat me at some point. Uh, But 
if you want the client service to get you to the closing table on time, I tell people, the closing date on that contract, we're going to close on that day because everything happens here locally in town. So that sometimes can trump a low rate if they know that they're going to close on the closing date. It's a big thing. You're moving. You're packing up stuff. Uh, It's a very emotional decision, like you said in the beginning. And the other very important point of this is that the real estate agents are the ones that are driving the referrals to the lenders right now. We don't have people coming to our office, unfortunately, walking in and signing up for a loan. It just doesn't happen. So the realtors are our referral source. And we control their well-being also. So they want their borrower to use someone they know that's going to get the job done. The getting the job done becomes the issue. Absolutely. I mean, if I'm willing to walk through this maze of getting along without a professional to help me, then I'm willing to pay the price if I stumble and fall flat on my face. That's right. And that's what person has to understand. Right. Now, the call set, you know, a lot of the bigger places, they do a good job. They do. And that sometimes people would not, they don't want to come in. They just want to, they want to get their loan done and they just want to move forward with the house. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with these bigger companies that are out there right now. It's just, with us, it's local. It's more of a touch feeling. You know, you're in you're in front of them. And that's where, again, that the relationship happens because ultimately I want to be their lender for life. Then I want them to tell their neighbor. I want them to tell their people at church. I want them to tell them their coworkers. And that, that's how you develop that. And that's how you grow your business. Yeah, that's how you've been in business for 10 years. Well, that's correct. There you yes, go. That's right. That's, that, that's the bottom line. From I mean, zero, I started. Yeah. So, uh, so let me ask you this. Low interest rates. We're at three-year lows. Right. And I can remember, it seemed like I've said that a hundred times. We're at a low in interest rates, and then two months later, we're at another low. Is that is that kind of the consensus? Do you, as a mortgage lender, where are interest rates going? Well, right now, I can tell you that uh, the, the the Fed has really done a, a a good job towards the end of the year putting a safety net below our economy. And you know, the president has already commented that the Fed was too aggressive by raising rates. Now they have come in and now they are starting to cut short-term rates, and that has helped. So even though we're not at historical lows, we are still at pretty decent numbers, yeah. considering yeah. where people were getting loans 20, 25 years ago. Do you remember well, don't your first, talk about that. Do you remember your first oh, mortgage? Yes, what I was do. your rate your well, first Well, actually, time? I bought before that big spike, so uh, okay. that was the But deal. I bet you it was but over the, 5%, Well, right? yeah, it was over, about 6.5, okay. exactly. Okay, so, yeah. I, but anyway, now you're looking at six and a half. Can you imagine a 6.5% loan rate today? Mm-hmm. Right. But that was normal. But remember now, what people hear, too, is they hear these low rates because it's advertised now, social media, the news, the me, everything is now, everyone is, has that low rate ingrained in their mind. So where are rates going to go? I think right now we are pretty, we're, we're at a good spot right now. I, maybe they go up a quarter of a point. I think for the next 12 months, we're going to be right where we are. Today. So you don't see anything? That- I don't see, unless you see a dramatic change with the China trade deal that could impact bonds, which drive our mortgage rates, that's already pretty much cooked into the market, okay. I think. So that's I'm good. pretty comfortable with where they are. Well, take take the person who is either had, had a bad experience online or they're trying to buy a house. or there's, In other words, it's now time to get their mortgage. They know they're going to buy. I always tell people from my chair, and Dane, you may help me with this. I usually say, if you're thinking about buying a house, go get pre, pre-qualified before you start shopping. Yeah. We, we always want to encourage uh, our clients, especially when I was in the advisor chair, where I have someone that they're a year out, they're nine months out. You know, we, we want to do it in the spring, but, you know, it's just Thanksgiving now. We're not ready yet. 
let's have some of those conversations. You may meet with Andy and think this guy is crazy. I don't want to talk to him or any number of other lenders. You just want to make sure the person I didn't think you were crazy. Yeah, yeah no, that's the rest of us. <laughs> we're no, no. the rest of us. Still. That's okay. They do. Andy's great. But uh, we, we want to make sure that our, our clients have had that relationship and had some of those initial conversations so that when it is go time and they, they found a house they love, they've already gotten some of those things out of the way. And Andy knows this is your credit score. This is your income. They can start just checking boxes. Yeah, I mean, you start, you start looking at that in early in the process. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't. You, you look at it. We look at your credit. We make sure that you have the income. Your credit report's good for 120 days. As long as your financial status doesn't change, it could be good for a year. And you can actually tell a person, this is the house you can buy. I mean, you, you counsel them through that product. You're not just getting them a loan. Right. You're helping them. You know, if back to my emotional side of buying a house, you know, if you walk into the house and, woo, this is it, and they say, well, this house is $1 million, I can't afford them. Too late because you're emotionally involved at that point. That's right. Well, that's something I do that is unique to my uh, to to the pre-approval process is I talk about a budget, whether you're a first-time buyer or you're buying your fifth house. I want you opening up that envelope in 45 days after you close, and you're not wincing when you look at the number that you're going to have to pay. So if I put you in to a number that you're comfortable with, that you know per month what you're going to be paying, and you're going to be at the end of the month, you're not on a ramen noodle uh, budget, then, like I said, I've done my job. So Got uh, it. Okay. Then start giving walk us through that process that you call your job. Help right. me. I'm gonna buy right. a house and Dane, you said I'm gonna do it in the spring, but I'm thinking about it here at Christmas and Thanksgiving. So I'm ready to go. Give me the process. So first of all, Thanksgiving and Christmas are the best times to start looking because not a lot of people do. They just have the mentality that the holidays are here. So we actually have seen we're seeing record volume right now despite us going into the slow months. So that's pretty impressive. That's good. It's a good reflection of the local housing market also. So I would recommend people doing an application, uh, contacting me. Uh, We can do an application over the phone or we can do it online. That gives me the authority to pull your credit. Once we pull that in, we take a look at your credit. We look at your financials. We look at your income. That's called pre-qualification. That means that we haven't dug down deep enough to pre-approve you. So we need to document and authenticate your income and your assets. Once that's complete, I call it giving the golden ticket. That's your pre-approval letter that you can present to your real estate agent so then they know that, hey, this guy can get the money when they're looking to buy the house. That letter goes with their offer, and then once the offer's accepted, And in today's you market, you know, you go in and you may be the third or fourth person in line, but if you're pre-approved and you said, hey, I got the money— that kind of sometimes can move you to the top. Absolutely. Of the list. Well, if you have you have to have that letter before an agent's going to take you out looking. They 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 just don't want to. I don't want to waste their time. Right. So that and number two, I don't like surprises. Yeah. I mean, if I'm telling you you can buy a house, I'm going to make sure that you can buy a house. So I, I vet them pretty hard on the front end with all the paperwork. That's what I was mentioning earlier. That it it can get a little bit strenuous on the front end when we're asking for all that paperwork. But I need it, and once I get it. Everyone can relax, and I'll try to make it. A, it's a fun process. It should be exciting. You know, it really should be. If you'd like to talk to Andy, let me give you his telephone number. His office number is 684-2721, 684-2721. Andy, I guess my question at this point, as we as we talk about it in the process, and you're the consultant, you're the professional, you're guiding us through. All right, I bought the house. I've lived in the house for six, seven years. Or maybe I bought the house and I'm just moving in, and I wish I had done something to maybe remodel. 
And all of a sudden, I've got it in my mind, I want to refi. I mean, I've had people to do that right. 30 minutes, 30 days into the house going, I wish we'd have done this. Can we refi? And we have to walk them through that process. But what about what about a refi at this point? Is this a good time to do that? Well, rates have come off the lows that I had mentioned that we were at. You know, probably about back at the end of August, we got to the lows of the year. So now they've come up a little bit. So people that have taken a loan out within the last four or five years, they may be able to take advantage of where the market is right now. The savings won't be that much uh, on a monthly basis. But I think what people miss out is when they refinance, you don't necessarily have to get the low rate. It's something you, you can decrease the term of your loan if you can afford the shorter amortization period. So I have people come to me now and they're like, well, I bought a house three years ago. I've got a raise and I don't want to have a 30-year note around my neck. What does it look like having a 20-year or a 15-year? What is the payment? So I can actually shorten their amortization and not necessarily save them money monthly, but it's a really quicker way of building wealth in your home. As far as refinancing and taking money out to do a rehabilitation work on the home that's a cash out refinance that is also a great idea given the fact that homes have appreciated nationally and locally significantly over the past seven to eight years so cash out the equity of your home that you have put money into to re to, to do the rehabilitation work it's a great way of building more wealth into the house and keeping the house that you're living in that's 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 so, great it's great advice when we come back we're going to take a break when we come back I need you as the professional to, here I am, starry-eyed, wife's with me, we've got to buy a house. We really think we know how to budget. Dane, you've been listening to this too. We think we know how to budget. <laughs> From a professional, would you help me go through the process to know you don't need to borrow this much money? This is, help me know how, based on all the information you've gotten, I need you to guide me through just how much can I borrow? That's what we're going to answer when we come back. If you just tuned in, my guest is Andy Ophie and Dane Williams. Dane's from our insurance division. Andy Ophie is with Crump Mortgage. He's a senior loan officer. His telephone number, again, in his office is 684-2721. Join us when we come back because we're going to find out just how much you should have on your budget when you buy a house. Andy's going to help us with that. Dane is, too. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. I appreciate you being a part of today's program. We have two great guests in the studios, Andy Ophie with Crop Mortgage. He's a senior loan officer and Dane Williams from Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. And we're talking about getting your first mortgage or refinancing or just thinking through the purchase of a home and how do you manage it financially. And I had asked Andy and both Dane, guys, I, my question to you was, I want to make sure that if I'm buying a house, and I don't really have that expertise. It's my first house. I, my parents have helped me. I can remember my dad walking around my first house, and he said, yep, looks good to me. <laughs> and I said, well, we can afford it. He said, not my job. <laughs> and I loved it because he was, he was counseling me, but he was also saying, I'm not going to make that decision. You're going to make that decision. Well, I got my, you know, got all the numbers and everything, and I had somebody helping me through that. But today... There's so much going on in purchasing a home today, and you know as well as I do that anybody can make a big mistake and buy, as we've seen before, 
too much home. And so how do you guide them through that? Start with that for me. So that's a very, very good point. And as I was talking to you a little bit earlier, when we pre-approve somebody, what's crazy is that the market and the way the business runs is right now, we're pre-approving you based on your gross income. So what's very important is we want to know how much you're actually taking home before Uncle Sam, you know, takes his portion out. So that is a great way of budgeting. That's the first thing. Now, we don't pre-approve you on that amount. It can obviously will be a significantly different number. However, it's very important that you know, again, regardless if you're buying your first home or your fifth home, what you're bringing home at the end of the month, because homeownership is not just paying the mortgage. There's mortgage insurance if you're not putting 20% down. There's homeowner's insurance that's built in. There's taxes that's built into the payment. Then, of course, there's the one thing that people miss out. There's maintenance. So you've got to maintain the home properly. And we kind of put that number together, too. So I have a, I've got a great program that I use on my computer that can help them budget and show them, basically, this is what your cash outlay is going to be per month. You've got utility bills. You've got cable. You've got direct TV. You've got your cell phone, et cetera, et cetera. Things can add up pretty quick. So we want to make sure that we take that into consideration when we're looking at the mortgage payment. That is so critical in the counseling side. Dane, what thoughts for you? Yeah, whenever I was meeting with our clients on the financial advising side, I always wanted to say, like, let's not apply general rules of thumb to your situation. Let's actually talk about what's going on in your life. I could have clients that make the same amount of money and live in a very similar house, but they could have a lot different amounts left over at the end of the month. So trying to figure out their habits, their spending habits, what's going to happen throughout the the month, and is there going to be money left over, or are they going to have spent it you know, on the 15th of the month with still two weeks to go? Uh, trying to figure out what those habits are with our clients so they know going into it that, uh, just like Andy said, when they're 45 days past closing and that first bill comes in, are they able to pay it? Figuring out what your habits are, and are you going to have that surplus that you you do on paper? That's that's the key thought right there, Andy. Yeah. So thank you so much for today. I think you've given us some great insight. Appreciate and it. That's <laughs> so important. That's so important what you're talking about. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you want to talk with Andy, his telephone number at his office is six eight four two seven two one six eight four. Two seven two one. I'll give you that number again at the end of the program. Give him a call because now's the time. If you're thinking about buying coming up in the spring, don't wait. Start now. As he said earlier, it's a good time in the market, too. Things are going extremely well. So be sure to give him a call. The telephone number six eight four two seven two one. Joining me now is a guy that is by, I loved it, popular demand. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's almost a celebrity when it comes to talking about Medicare. Dane, what would you call him? A guru or uh, yeah, grand wizard? Sometimes, grand wizard, yes, yes, whatever. Yeah, because he constantly gets calls about Medicare, and it's because this is open enrollment time, and people are having to make decisions or whether or not is it a Medicare supplement, is it an Advantage plan? All of those different different questions, and I mean, it is a. I mean, it's a. It's a plethora of decisions you have to make. Can I use that word? Wow. Uh, welcome to the program, Shannon Dyson. Thanks for having me. I'm going to take you guys on the road with me. What do you, what do you charge? <laughs> Your hype man. I could use that. Yeah, yeah that's I great. Like it. I'll need some walkout music and we'll be good there to go. There you go. There you go. We can provide that. Well, I don't know. Maybe we do a duet. Yeah. You know? uh, no, not know. that's going to help this case. Gonna, I got you. All right. Shannon, this is such a big, you know, it's a big time for a lot of people. 
that go through the stress of trying to make decisions, especially if it's their first time to make a decision, just what is the Medicare annual open enrollment period? The open enrollment period, uh, it goes from October the 15th through December the 7th, uh, and it's really for people that are in the Medicare system already. Uh, for them to make a decision on uh, do they need to change their prescription Part D plan? Are they taking new prescriptions that would, would make them want to change that plan? Or if they have a Medicare Advantage plan, maybe they need to change that plan. Or uh, if they have a Medicare supplement, would like to change to a Medicare Advantage. Those are the decisions really being made in that time period. And it's a lot of decisions. It is. It's it's, And there's not a lot of, there's a lot of, let me take it back, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, but it's hard to decipher what's true and what's not true and, and find the information that you would actually be able to use. Let me ask you this. With that thought process as we're going through that, here's the question that, that I get from a lot of people. I'm still working, they say, and uh, do I need to do anything about Medicare? Can I just ignore it and, and you know, get it, you know, not do anything? What happens if I do that if I'm still working? That's the key thought here. I'm just now turning time at 65. But I'm working. Do I need to do it? We have these conversations all the time. Uh, people are working longer. People work past age 65 very frequently uh, today. And so what we'd like to tell people is that it's, a, it's an individual decision on whether or not you should get onto Medicare or not. It's not a have to. It's a should I. So you don't have to go onto Medicare when you turn 65, but you should be doing some research, getting some advice to see should, would it be a better deal for me to be on Medicare or if I'm still working, stay on my group health plan. Well, now when you say I don't have to, it's a should I or uh, not a have to, but isn't, is there not a penalty? Some people, I've heard people say, oh, there's a penalty if you don't get on Medicare. Is there not a penalty? You hear penalty all the time. It and does. I mean, if you become eligible for Medicare and you do not have group insurance, yes, there is a penalty for not signing up. Uh, but if you become eligible for Medicare and you're still working, you have access to a group health plan, there is no penalty for not signing up for Medicare. All right. So that's the key right there from the, that standpoint. The key is having access to group health care. Yes, sir. Okay, so now what about Part B? I mean, Part B, do I have to sign up for Part B when I turn 65, or can I avoid that? So Part A of Medicare's hospitalization, Part B, which you just mentioned, uh, Part A has no cost. Part B does have a cost. And so what typically the decision we see people making, they go ahead and sign up for Part A because it's free. Uh, but the decision, I'm still working, should I take Part B, I'm going to have to pay out of my pocket for Part B. There's really no reason to take Part B if you are still working and have group coverage uh, because Part B is not going to help you. It's a secondary payer in most cases uh, to your group health plan. There are cases where it's primary. Uh, but again, that's when you need advice from someone who knows the system. All right, advice. I need to make sure if you want advice, and as I said, by popular demand, our, you said Grand Wizard, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Grand Wizard, Shannon Dyson, uh, 757-5757. If you'd like to call him, just do that because he knows what's going on with that. When he comes back, what I'm going to find out, if I don't sign up and I get a penalty later on, what's the penalty? But here's the thought. If I sign up and I had an HSA plan, did I lose it? Well, we're going to find out that question because these are questions that you ask, and we're trying to go through these questions to give you insight. You just tuned in. My guest, Shannon Dyson, in this portion of the program, and Dane Williams is with us, and we're talking about Medicare and signing up. It's open enrollment time. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. 
If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. When Nazi Germany achieved a surprise victory over France in 1940, an alarmed President Roosevelt immediately began expanding national defense industries at a breathtaking rate, which greatly altered the face of the Mid-South. Within a year, two major defense industries were operating in Shelby County. Memphis became the U.S. 2nd Army Headquarters, where training for the half-million soldiers stationed in Tennessee was conducted. The nation's only inland naval base was established in Millington. Workers were hired wherever they could be found, and local factories were retooled for wartime production. During the war, the Ford plant was used to make airplane engines, Quaker Oats manufactured synthetic rubber, and Firestone produced rubber life rafts. Of the 40,000 men and women from Shelby County who served in our armed forces during World War II, 662 were either killed or missing in action. Among those who served, African Americans from the Mid-South fought with exceptional bravery and honor and contributed in countless ways to the defeat of Germany and Japan. One African American from Memphis who served with distinction was Captain Luke Weathers, who flew with the famed Tuskegee Airmen and shot down seven enemy planes. Weathers once said of Memphis before he died that this is a city that has its feet in the Mississippi, its souls in the churches, and its minds up in the blue sky with God. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large-cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. My guest is Shannon Dyson, the Grand Wizard of Medicare. I like it, Dana. We're going to we need to get a card made up for him, you know, mm-hmm. and just put, you know, start that thought process. But he is with Shoemaker Financial Insurance Company and with our insurance group, not insurance company, our insurance group. And Dane Williams is also with the insurance group. And they're our guest today. We're talking about it's open enrollment time. And so we're talking about Medicare and Medicare and sulp supplement, Medicare Advantage. Should you? Should you not? You know, the whole questions that everybody seems to be asking, I guess, I guess, Shannon, what I want to go to is if I am still working, you said I have a choice. All right. Tell me when I really need to be careful with my choosing. I think the first thing to, that you look at is how big of a company do you work for? I mean, how many employees? I mentioned in the last segment that uh, Medicare is typically a secondary payer to your group plan. Uh, but if you have less than 20 employees in the company that you work for, Medicare is actually the primary payer. Uh, and in many of those cases, those insurance companies will require you to sign up for, for Medicare. Uh, but if your company has more than 20 employees, what you want to look at is do you have an HSA or health savings account uh, at your work where your employer might contribute money pre-tax to that health savings account for you? On your behalf. On your behalf. Or you may be putting money. Uh, out of your paycheck pre-tax into that health savings account. Uh, if you take Part A of Medicare, you can no longer make those contributions, and the employer can no longer make those contributions on your behalf. So that would be really the main reason not to take Part A is if you do have a health savings account. You just wouldn't be able to do that any longer. So that those are those are the, see again. This becomes a stressful, confusing time because it's not a should I or could I. You just need to know the information. You need to know all that. Well, a lot of people think that it, when they turn sixty-five, they have to go ahead and sign up for Part A, uh, and they don't take that into consideration. That well, if I'm if I have an HSA, I don't need to sign up for a Part A. You do not have to sign up for A. 
uh, unless you're taking Social Security, and then you'll automatically be signed up. Dane, when you were working through this process with, with clients and things, you're talking to them about this, and you do this even today, and in the insurance division, you're talking with people about Medicare, and Shannon, you know, being our grand wizard. Uh, the, the point is, do you find that people know a lot about Medicare, Medicaid, you know, I mean, the Medicare plan, or are they listening to what other people are telling them? 100% they're listening to what other people are telling them, and nine times out of ten, they're way off base. Uh, they have a, a cousin who's been through this, an uncle, a co-worker, somewhere along the line. They have been informed on something uh, and may have great conviction about it even. Uh, but by the time they get into it, we've had a conversation with, no, actually, here's uh, the way the program actually works, and here's how it's going to benefit you. Uh, so with everything we're talking about, it's, it's seek good counsel. You know, that that's a good point. And, of course, biblically, that is a wise thing to do is seek godly counsel, seek good counsel. And in the presence of wise counsel, there's 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 a honor there. I guess my my concern, so many of us are listening and going through this process. If you make a mistake, let me give you an example, Shannon. I just want your take on this. If I chose to go on Medicare, I still have I'm still employed, and then I stop working a year later, two years later. Do I have to then apply for Medicare B immediately? You do. You, you have a time period. It's eight months. Eight it's, months it's from a, the time I stopped work. From the time you stopped work. It's a special election period in order to sign up for Part B. And Part B with covers, no penalty. covers what? Doctor uh, visits, uh, anything outside of the hospital, any charge that would be outside of a facility. Okay, so now eight months, I can do that free open enrollment. That's my open enrollment, that eight points after I'm no longer employed. An important important point to to, to note is that even if you were to not work any longer, but you elect COBRA from your job, COBRA is not, does not count as previous insurance. So you need to make sure, and you can, you can extend COBRA for 18 months uh, when you leave your employer, uh, but you only have eight months to sign up for Medicare. So I have had people come in where they extended COBRA for the full 18 months. They, they had a penalty when they went to sign up for Part B because COBRA did not count. Did not count. Correct. And you start paying a premium for Part B. You do. That's correct. And the premium uh, for 2019 was one thirty five fifty. I believe for 2020, they've taken it up to one forty four sixty. I believe, or somewhere in that neighborhood. Because you actually could be paying less for coverage than you were when you were employed. Oh, for sure. We, we see it all the time. It, it depends on how much your employer was paying towards the cost of your insurance. And every employer gets to make that decision as what, what they want to offer their employees. So in some cases, you take Medicare, you're getting a pay raise by not keeping your group plan. All right. Now, now we're going through Medicare A, Medicare B, Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplemental, and the prescription. I mean, what is a Medicare Advantage plan? So A and B, um, once you are no longer working, everybody needs to have Medicare A and B. That's just basic Medicare. Uh, there are a lot of deductibles and coinsurance that go along with that, and so people look for something to supplement that. Uh, many people take a supplement or a Medigap plan, uh, and some people take Medicare Advantage. Uh, Medicare Advantage is a completely different uh, animal altogether. It actually takes the place of Medicare. Uh, so you have Medicare A and B, you have a supplement. It does exactly what it says. It supplements what Medicare doesn't pay. And that's the route that most people go. There's less restrictions um, on with a supplement plan. 
But some people will take the Medicare Advantage plans. You're seeing them right now on commercials constantly. A lot of commercials. All day and night because it's open enrollment and people are, there's many companies, Cigna, United Healthcare, Blue Cross, name, name the company, they offer a Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, and some people want to take those. They're very restrictive on doctor networks. And one of the main differences when you're looking at, should I take a Medicare Advantage plan or should I take a supplement? Supplements, you don't have to worry about doctor networks. Advantage plans, you do. And wow. they're fairly restrictive. That's, that's important to know. When we come back, I want to talk about the drug plan because I know some people can get hammered hard there. So I want you to help us understand the prescription drug plan that you need to sign up. There's a time limit. You need to be careful with that. All those things are important. So if you just tuned in, we have, of course, a lot of information about Medicare, whether Advantage plans, supplemental plans. If you would like to talk to Shannon, telephone number 757-5757. It's the time to ask. It's the time to talk. We're in the open enrollment plan, and he knows this extremely well, and I think would be a good counselor for you. So give him a call, 757-5757. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. While we're talking with Shannon Dyson, who literally answers your questions about Medicare and Medicare open enrollment, and uh, Dane Williams is also with us, and we're going through this whole process of just what what goes on during this period of time. And, of course, it's October, uh, I believe, the 15th. I thought I'd had that earlier, and uh, I'm looking for that enrollment enrollment time. It's October the 15th to December the 7th, and it is stressful for a lot of people because they're having to make decisions about what to do in health care as a person reaches that milestone of 65 begins to be a little bit higher topic than it was when you were 35. And so here's kind of the thought process is we want to help you get through that and understand it. So, Shannon, when I talk about Medicare open enrollment, this is the time that you can make changes and changes might be with your prescription plan. But take me back to when I first enrolled. If, I, if I've just turned 65, I enrolled in Medicare a, Part A, I'm enrolled in Medicare Part B. Now talk to me about my prescription. Yeah, this is the one, you know, we, we talked about penalties uh, earlier, uh, people not maybe not taking Part B when they were supposed to. We don't really see that. People want to go ahead and sign up for A and B. That's pretty typical. But we do find a lot of times people don't sign up for Part D prescription. And if you think about it, it's reasonable. If I'm not taking any prescriptions, why do I need to buy a prescription drug plan? That seems pretty pretty logical. I get that. Pretty reasonable. But the, when they put the plan into place, prescription Part D, back in whatever year they put it in place when George Bush was in office, mm. uh, they made a penalty if you didn't. So if you become eligible for Part D, you do not have group coverage, and you still decide, I'm not signing up for Part D, there's a 1% per month penalty. Uh, for every month that you could have signed up and you didn't sign up. All right, let me take this to where you have the a spouse who turns 65, no group coverage, a spouse that is 60, 62, younger, not, and not on a group plan. 
How do they get coverage? How do they get prescription coverage? So, you know, we would go for, with the, the Medicare A and B for the person at 65, the supplement and prescription Part D. And then for the spouse, we've got to go into the individual market and find something for them. And right now, um, healthcare.gov is basically the place that we go to look for that. Blue Cross Blue Shield is back into the market in Shelby County. Uh, so there are plenty of options on there, but they would have to go into the individual market and get individual health insurance. And of course, individual health insurance has prescriptions associated with the health plan. So there's not an extra piece there. I think that's confusing, too, to a lot of people that are not in the business when they when they hear, well, you get Medicare and then you've got to get separate prescription coverage. But for individuals that don't have group coverage, um, the health plans work almost like a group coverage plan where prescriptions are included in the plan. Okay, so back to Medicare, supplemental plan or Vantage, is prescription covered in the supplemental or prescriptions covered in the Advantage? So uh, with supplement plans, there is no prescription coverage. So you do pick a completely separate prescription Part D plan. Uh, with Advantage plans, prescription coverage is included uh, in the medical program. Uh, that sounds good, but the problem with that is is that a lot of times people are taking some pretty high-dollar prescriptions. And so when you take a, a Medicare Advantage plan where prescriptions are included with the medical, you, you lose the ability to shop for the right prescription Part D plan for yourself. You're stuck with that medical provider's prescription plan. Dane, from your chair, when you're talking with someone, tell me what you sense from this from a confused standpoint. Yeah, I think most of the time they just don't know where to start, right? They know that life is about to change a lot. They know that they've been having X amount of dollars come out of their paycheck. But they just don't know where to start. So they start down a, a, a Google search, uh, having conversations with a friend of theirs that retired a year before them. And a lot of time they just come in with more confusion than anything and want to just say, look, somebody who knows what's supposed to happen, can you just guide me? Tell me where I need to be. Yeah, Dane, you said that a couple of times, people saying, I heard this from a friend. That is a lot of the things that we hear. I heard this from a friend. This, this, they're doing this. And it may be very true what the friend said that they are doing, but this decision is highly individualized. And so you cannot base uh, what, your, what somebody you know, friend, family member did for their Medicare prescription Part D especially. Um, that has no bearing on what yours would look like because everything is dependent with prescription Part D um, on the prescriptions that you take and the ones that you take monthly. So it's October the 15th to December the 7th. Correct. Open enrollment, confusing, stressful time. There's a lot of things you've got to do. I can't thank you guys for doing such a good job. And Shannon, you are, I think, Dane, you're exactly right, you know, the wizard. And I appreciate that because it is so important to know that we can lean on somebody who gives us wise counsel, and that's critical. So thank you both for being a part of today's program. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Jim. Well, guys, if you just tuned in, we've been listening. We've been listening. I've been enjoying this to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. And my guest today, early in the program, Andy Ophie of Crump Mortgage and Shannon Dyson and Dane Williams of Shoemaker Insurance. They've done a phenomenal job of helping us understand some very important things. If you'd like to talk to them personally, Andy's number is 901-684-2721. And Shannon and Dane, you can reach them at 901 757 We hope you have enjoyed today's program. And as always, thanks for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. 
Be sure to like us on Facebook. I would appreciate that. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and thank you so much for listening. Be with us next week. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 